0: Support for this episode of Judaism Unbound comes from the Ashman Family JCC in Palo Alto, California, whose vision is to be the architects of the Jewish future. The Ashman Family JCC empowers you to experience Jewish paths toward a life of joy, purpose, and meaning through innovative Jewish learning and wellness programs, community building, and initiatives to develop the next generation of Jewish leaders. Learn more at www.paloaltojcc.org. This is Judaism Unbound, episode 294, The Jewish Asian Film Project. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Dan
1: Liebenson. And I'm Lex Rothberg.
0: And today we are so excited to be here with the creators of an exciting project called Lunar, the Jewish Asian Film Project. Before we jump into that interview, just a reminder that if you have been intending to sign up for the first set of classes offered through our new Shiva Project, if you're listening to this podcast on the weekend that we release it, our classes are starting next week, Monday and Tuesday, so there's no time like the present. Sign up now. Go to www.judaismunbound.com slash or just head to the Judaism Unbound homepage and click on the link there to the unyeshiva to explore the offerings and sign up. We can't wait to learn with you. Now to today's conversation. Our guests, Jen Slosberg and Jenny Rudolph, are part of a creative team that put together six videos exploring the Jewish-Asian-American experience, and that is just about to release season two in just a few days on October 6th. The project is called Lunar, and it cultivates connection, belonging, and visibility for Asian-American Jews through authentic multimedia storytelling and intersectional community programming. The videos feature interviews with a cast of Asian American Jews, and each video explores a particular topic and puts the various cast members in conversation with one another through masterful editing by one of our guests today, Jenny Rudolph. We're really looking forward to talking about this project and what comes next, and before we do, just a few words of introduction. Our first guest, Jen Slosberg, is the executive producer of Lunar. She is a writer, community organizer, and Jewish nonprofit professional based in the Bay Area. In her day job, she works at a wonderful organization called Urban Adama, which provides farm-based community building experiences that integrate Jewish tradition, mindfulness, sustainable agriculture, and social action. At Urban Adama, Jen Slosberg is the Young Adult Programs Associate and Peer Connector. And as I said, at Lunar, she is the Executive Producer. Our second guest, Jenny Rudolph, is the executive creative director of Lunar. Jenny Rudolph is a Los Angeles-based songwriter, vocal producer, and video editor. Her hunger for authentically human storytelling is what's driven her to diversify representation in music and media. She is a graduate of the Berklee College of Music and an award-winning songwriter. We're really excited to jump into this conversation. So Jen Slotsberg, Jenny Rudolph, welcome to Judaism Unbound. It's so great to have you.
2: Thank you. So excited to be
0: here. Well, we're really excited to have you. It's such an important project. So to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about who Lunar is for? Like when you're making this, are you making it primarily for Asian American Jews or for white Jews to understand Asian American Jews better, all of the above? And if it's all of the above, can you explain sort of what you hope it will be for those different audiences?
2: Yeah, our philosophy has always been by us for us first. So first, we are for Asian American Jews. We are a space and community for Asian American Jews to feel seen and to find belonging and connection. Um, and then beyond that, we are also for our broader communities to get to know us better and learn more about us and also just see us and recognize that we exist and that we we are not some kind of strange mystical, you know, myth like. We are here and there are actually very many of us, which is actually something that I didn't even know. And a lot of us didn't even fully know until we started creating this community. A lot of us felt these same feelings of like, oh, I think I'm the only one, like not even bothering to try to seek out the community because we were all just assuming that it wasn't out there and that we were just so different, that we're just the only one. Just everyone was like, whoa, there are so many more of us than we thought. I've gone my whole life assuming I was the only one. And now that I see how many of us there are, I'm almost a little upset that like I didn't find this sooner and that I wasn't like trying to find this sooner.
1: Both Dan and I, in prepping for this episode, we watched the flow of your of your videos that are released so far as season one. And it was a powerful experience, um, both because the videos are just good videos and feature a lot of a lot of different voices i mean you just it's just sort of a an ongoing thread of first person accounts from different asian american jews and part of what was so riveting and powerful was the fact that these were experiences of pain the sense i get is and part of what i think jenny was voicing just earlier is that that's part of the origin story of why this organization exists but i'd love to hear a little bit more about like, is that the call for why this project exists, um, or are there other layers you'd add as well?
3: It really a lot of it happened organically. I was enmeshed in Jews of Color community and mixed race community both while I was attending UC Berkeley, and that's because growing up, I grew up in a very mono ethnic environment that's not very like doesn't really have a language around diversity or accepting differences and or tolerance. Because I actually grew up in China. And so I was one of, I think, two or three mixed race kids in my entire school and certainly in my class. Um, And all of that was met with a lot of curious questioning, a lot of intrusive encounters, a lot of fetishization, and just treatment of me that was like, I'm an exotic species and not necessarily seeing me as a human. And so that's really what drove me to be really feeling isolated and depressed growing up. And those experiences led me to seek out mixed race and Jews of color community when I attended college. And having been a part of those communities, mixed race and Jews of color for several years, I found a lot of belonging acceptance and got a lot of room to process my identity through that. But I was looking for something a little more specific. I found that it was really relatable and I felt very seen in both of those spaces, but also the people who are encompassed by those groups is like a large spectrum of racial identity and cultural identity. And during the pandemic, especially, I think everyone started feeling a little bit more isolated because we were all stuck in our houses, right? And for me, it was my apartment at college. And I was kind of like, huh, I wonder what it would be like if we had a lot of Asian Jews do something together. And I also simultaneously knew, like, there were equivalents of what Lunar is in the Jewish community for Jews of color. There's the Black Jewish Liberation Collective, there's Juti so I was like, why doesn't something like this exist for Asian Americans? And there's several reasons why that could be. But essentially, yeah, I just like saw this video right around the time of isolation of Jenny talking very, very specifically, again, that specificity, that specificity about her being Chinese and Russian Jewish on this like video um, by Jubilee Media. And I was like, OK, so somebody else is out here talking about this. So like, why doesn't it exist? Like, does she know that other people like her exist? Like, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe she doesn't. And so I just like reached out on Facebook Cause again, I was feeling isolated. And she was like, what? oh, wow, you're Chinese and Jewish too? And then in my mind at the time, I was like, more and more and more people that I know have this shared common experience of being Asian American and Jewish. What would happen if we just brought all of these people together? What kind of magic would that create, right? And so initially, me and Jenny then created a video along with three other Chinese Jewish women just about our experience. And that was like very transformative.
2: I describe Jen as being my mixed twin. And I talk about the experience of finding my mixed twin as something that was really magical and that I recommend for all mixed people to to find someone who shares your exact mix. But, you know, from my perspective, like how was I going to say no to to someone reaching out to me, wanting to talk about my very specific background? I definitely didn't know any other Asian American Jews in general outside of like me and my sisters. So it was kind of this push and pull of like, oh my gosh, there's someone out there who's just like me. I have to talk about this. We should unpack like what it means to be living this identity and like w- dig into it. But at the same time, I also felt a little hesitant because my whole life, I went to a Jewish preschool, but beyond that, my connection to Jewish community has always felt very distant and not as accessible to me. And same thing with Asian American community. I haven't really ever fit in there. So anything relating to my identities, racial or cultural, has always come with this side of hesitancy. It's always been like, am I Jewish enough to talk about this? Am I Asian enough to talk about this? Will I be able to talk about things correctly? And I think that is something that has always followed me personally with these things. Will I mispronounce words? Will will they mention something that I've never heard of? Am I not being Jewish correctly or being Asian correctly? Um, I do also want to add that even though that is a very common experience that has come up a lot among our cast and I know I'm not alone. It's also not the only experience. Part of what's been so amazing for me is just meeting all these Asian American Jews and realizing one that I'm not alone and two that we are incredibly diverse even within this like seemingly very niche intersection and you know the amount of access that that they have to their cultures and how they connect to their cultures. It's just been such this broad range. And so seeing not only folks who also have felt disconnect like me, but also folks that are super connected and super confident in their identities and have found ways to enmesh themselves in the community and connect in ways that are meaningful to them has shown me that like it's possible and that there's no one way to be Jewish, no one way to be Asian and just seeing that range has been really powerful for me and has totally been a catalyst for me to embrace my own identity and really make it my own. My version of Jewish maybe doesn't match another person's version of Jewish or the kind of Jewish that I see on TV or among my Ashkenazi Jewish friends, me as an Asian Jew, it always felt like like a different kind of Jew, you know? And now through creating Lunar, I'm realizing that we get to define it for ourselves and that we, we don't have to be the different one.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the process of making these these films. Once you had this connection and these revelations, how did you go about finding the other people and how did you what was the way that you conceptualized the, the films because they're on these particular topics? Like, how did you decide those topics? What was your approach?
2: pretty much at every single stage of this project from you know finding team members to finding cast members to engaging with the larger community it's all been virtual it's been through you know through facebook through instagram through just online communities and i think that's been really powerful because it's connected us with folks who are not geographically close to us but it's also connected me with folks that are that are geographically close to me and that i just didn't realize were out there I think, you know, especially the timing of this, the fact that Lunar came to be during the pandemic and during also times of pain and drama for both of our communities, it was something that we really needed. And it just makes me really grateful that the internet exists and that Zoom exists and that we were able to find others like us through mediums that have previously felt kind of isolating to me.
1: Following up on that, the two of you could have connected and decided, hey, we want to we wanna do something together. And it could have been any number of things, but the particular thing that it is, is a film project. And I'm intrigued at that. And I'm curious, like, you know, there are people who forge digital synagogues. There are people who write essays and compile them together. There are people like, what was it about podcasts. doing a, a podcast? Yeah. Okay. Somebody. I've heard that there are people out there that do podcasts. Yeah. um, Like- Film called to you, and I'm curious why, and I'm curious like what it is about this particular medium that you felt could tell the story that you wanted to tell. And then the other thing I'd say is like, as somebody who edits audio a lot, I was wildly impressed. There are ways in which all these interviews, which I I don't know if people were in the same room, I don't know if people were in different rooms, but you patched it together afterwards, like there are ways in which all of it feels like people were almost finishing each other's sentences. it was really seamless and that's not easy like that takes a lot of time and so the sense i get is that there was really i don't know it felt really thoughtful to me and really like crafted and so i'm curious what it was that called you to this medium film and within that what called you to like this first person conversation style when it could have been like a more classical like documentary with a narrator or something
3: so like I found Jenny on a video, on a video in which there were six mixed-race Americans, and they were standing on lines that ranged from strongly disagree to strongly agree, and they all just got to agree or disagree with statements, and then stand on lines and explain in first person what their decision was and why. Naturally, because I found her on a video, I was like, video sounds like a great way to do this. It, it was a pretty organic medium that sort of instinctively occurred to me personally, after that, though, it did turn out to be a pretty perfect choice. Um, and the other thing that felt really powerful about the videos is like the faces. They are, there is a collage of our cast, 23 Asian-American Jews that I love. Like it is a very powerful picture. It's 23 Asian-American Jews lined up in a collage on a still image. That is what I think is the most powerful thing for future generations, as well as who's currently watching to see is the faces. This is the face of Judaism, right? This is the face of our future as a community. And to me, you won't get that in an essay or podcast. That power, I don't think you'll get in any other format. And then in addition, I think something like a video series allows us to feature more people. And it was really important to me that this thing featured a lot of people because I don't think any one of us can tell the story of Asian American Jews because of the diversity in our community. And the fact that we were able to put folks in conversation in small groups and have that interaction, it was the start of building a community.
2: For me the impact is twofold. It's that you can see Asian American Jews and then that you can hear us. Just joining a Zoom room filled with dozens of other people who look very similar to you and could be like your long lost Asian Jewish family. Like that's a very viscerally comforting feeling. And it's the kind of feeling that like I joined the Zoom and I'm like, oh my gosh, immediately I felt like I belonged. It was a feeling like, this is what I've been missing my whole life. This is how a lot of other people just can normally feel in a space where they can join a space and, and not immediately be the odd one out. Um, but then of course, beyond that, hearing everyone's stories and being able to hear it in their own words. And that was something that was really important to us is that we wanted this to be totally unscripted. I mean, we gave them like questions and we, we gave them time to like really think on their questions and give proper answers. But everything that they said came from them. And one of like the major like tenets of, of Lunar is authenticity. Sometimes I feel that as an Asian American Jew, I don't always feel free to speak honestly about things, or I feel that I'm not listened to, or I feel kind of invisible. So in crafting this space where we are all very visible and you know encouraged to speak very honestly and openly and share often very like nuanced thoughts on things. You are here to be authentic. You are here to be your true full self. And no one will judge you for it. And we are all here to support each other. And that was really powerful for me. In terms of like the logistics of how we filmed, we have 23 Asian Jewish cast members. And we filmed in groups of, we filmed in five groups of four to five. Um, Before filming, we had a big Zoom session where many of our cast members were able to meet each other for the first time and just feel that moment of connection and that moment of, oh my gosh, there are so many of us. And then we split off into the five groups and within those groups of five, folks were able to really dive into the questions. And in response to what you said about the editing, thank you for noticing by the way, like the the flow of it because that is something I'm really proud of and also something that I kind of got lucky with because in editing the videos together, The cast members, you know, even though there was such a range of experiences, they often did speak on very similar things. And so I was able to kind of structure the videos with a flow that incorporates all of their stories bouncing off of each other and kind of weaves in this, this like central arc of what does it mean to be Asian American Jewish while also showcasing their individual answers. And Another part of my approach to editing this was I really wanted to edit with integrity, knowing that for many of us, we may come into a space, whether that be a Jewish space or an Asian American space or a White American space, any space really. Holding this complicated identity often means that we are tokenized, um, that our words are taken out of context to fit whatever narrative the platform wants, and being used to that, I really wanted to take. Care in making sure that everyone was properly represented, and that what they were saying, even with my editing, you know, cutting out everyone's ums and likes, and as as a podcast, I'm sure you understand. Even with all of that, I really wanted to make sure that what they were saying came out in the same way that they intended it. So um, that was something else that we implemented at every step of the process. You know, before publishing the videos, we would send them to the whole cast for review. And they would correct us on anything. Being able to kind of give that power to the cast felt powerful and felt empowering to me, too, because many times that has been taken away from me. It's my turn to be to be in the editor's seat and to be like, all right, we're telling our stories. How are we telling it? We're defining it for ourselves.
0: So can you tell us how some of the particular topics came up or how you decided on them? Like I was really the one on food was fascinating to me on all kinds of levels. I was wondering if that was your intent going in or that kind of emerged from the conversation.
3: Absolutely. So it's a little bit of both. So essentially, like we mentioned before, the genesis, like the precursor to the video series was just a longer Zoom conversation between five Chinese Jewish women. The actual series came about because one of the people in that initial Zoom reached out to us who works at the Jews of Color Initiative and is like, would you like a mini grant to do more? We were like, "Okay." Um, we had like I had planned like several questions for that initial Zoom, but we started on one question. Everybody introduced themselves one question. And then like the conversation just flowed. We didn't need any more prompting questions. The space was so organic and so powerful that people just started to share. So what then happened after is we edited that down, and then Jenny uh, looked through that footage and organized the footage by emergent themes. And the five that we came up with from that, what ended up being the five themes of the video um, series that came later. So what I think is really poignant about that is the fact that what we chose to structure our series around came directly from a group of Asian American, and in this particular case, Chinese American Jews. It wasn't just like me and Jenny kind of playing like us. Arbitrator role of deciding which topics are important to cover. It was like, these are the topics that collectively became important in a conversation. For the Passover episode, we just had a lot of footage from Passover, people talking about Passover foods, because one of the questions we asked our participants when we filmed was, what is your dream Asian Jewish Passover Seder? And so that just kind of became a natural sixth episode to end on around the time that it was ending the series. So that's kind of a little bit about the themes.
1: First of all, all six of of the episodes, I strongly encourage listeners to watch. One of them that spoke most deeply to me was titled, Jewish Enough, Asian Enough. And first off, I loved that that was a parallel duality of two declarative sentences. Um, there are articles floating around out there with titles like, Am I Jewish Enough? And I liked that this was like, Jewish Enough, Asian Enough, we are indeed. And what struck me right at the beginning of that episode, and this was after I had seen some of the other episodes with the same cast members, at least one person, maybe a couple, but at least one person was like, I wasn't even sure if I was sort of allowed to be part of this series. Like when you reached out to me, I wasn't even sure I could do this because I felt like I wasn't truly Asian enough. Or, or like, and And this was right after I had heard that same person give like the most powerful set of words in one of the previous episodes. And it really hit me that like, okay, we, we got work to do on this. If people are not feeling fully empowered, when they have such depth of what I would term Torah, depth of wisdom, of teaching, if they still think that somehow they're like not really fully of a space, that's a real warning sign. So I'd love to hear more about that Jewish Enough, Asian Enough episode.
2: First of all, thank you for your compliment on the title. We were back and forth a bit on figuring out how to title it. I think we did play with like as a question, like "Am I Jewish enough?" or like feeling not Jewish enough. But we really did settle on that very declarative "Jewish enough, Asian enough." Period. Almost like announced for my younger self, like "No, yeah, you are. You're enough. Mm-hmm. No question. Like it's it's in a video title now, so it's official." Um, That video was recently selected to screen at Mixed Asian Media Festival. And yeah, that episode is one of my favorites. It definitely (laughs) speaks to my personal experience. And the cast member that you're mentioning, Ali Pinhasi, I I know exactly the quote you're talking about, where she mentions, like, I didn't even know if I was Asian enough to do this video. Um, There was another cast member, too, Maya Ali, who also mentioned that when she saw postings for Lunar, like on Facebook she initially didn't it didn't even dawn on her that she was an Asian American Jew and that she was you know thinking about oh who of my friends are Asian American Jews who can I send this to and then eventually like oh wait I'm an Asian American Jew <laughs> um hearing those things I found a lot of humor in them because I, I found them very relatable but also this feeling of like this is the reality of many of us in the community is like this is so powerful finding this community for the first time and really being able to say like this is a space for me i fully belong and accepting that belonging i think is also a journey when you've been you know deprived of it for so long
3: i think like what you pointed out is really important is that a lot of folks were like i'm not sure i count when given affirmation and belonging on a silver platter people were like what do i deserve this and that's like imposter syndrome right there it's like Am I enough to like do this? I grew up having my Jewish and Asian identity being very separate. This is speaking from a perspective of someone who's mixed race and has one parent of each background separately. Like my mom isn't is Asian but is not Jewish. It was a lot of like I see these things as two separate things that cannot come together. And in the Jewish community, I do think that has to do with Ashkenormativity and and just like the fact that what is a acceptable and traditional form of Jewish cultural celebration is Ashkenazi even though there are like millions of Sephardi Mizrahi Jews who have many traditions to contribute. And so seeing like the fact that the two identities can merge and culturally can belong together, we represent an intersection, Asian-American and Jewish. And it's not just like Asian-Americans, this Jewish, this. I'm not building a bridge between two communities. It's literally amalgamation through us and our stories. And so that's like one piece that I think really is something that I struggle with and a lot of other folks in our community struggle with is just seeing that those identities can
2: exist cohesively. I would also say, you know, at least from my perspective of being a mixed race, Asian-American, Jewish woman, I constantly feel the need to like preface myself or, you know, soften what I'm saying or maybe not speak up. And I think another piece of that, in addition to, you know, the Oshka normativity that Jen mentioned Is also that because my two communities are often stereotyped as like model minorities in any space, I often feel the need to like check my privilege or to be like, do I have the right to speak up in this space? Am I speaking over anyone? And that is something that I've kind of had to get over. Of course, it is important to be aware of my privilege, of course, but it is something that has prevented me from genuinely connecting with others who share my experiences. And I think. That is a major thing that we've been trying to cultivate in the lunar community is like we are all here to listen to each other, to understand each other, and that our place on the spectrum of marginalization and privilege is very nuanced for all of us and can shift over time and is just complicated. And we come into the space just accepting that and not needing to you know, apologize for ourselves.
0: Can we talk a little bit about what's next? I know that you have a second season coming up. And first of all, I'm curious, is how is the second season different from the first season or is it an extension of it? And And then I'm curious about where you see this going from here and I guess I have that question on two levels. One is, do you in particular plan to do anything that's beyond making these films, but also whether you are or not, what do you think is needed? I mean, what do you think should be the next step that maybe somebody else should pick up on, on what you're doing to create? Like, what would what would really be a contribution in this space that would improve everything that you're talking about?
3: Yeah, so season two is coming. October 6th is the first episode. Please watch on YouTube. Season two really is an extension of season one in some ways, because it is the same set of folks having the same set of conversation. But it's it's also distinct in that I think in season one, we were really preparing the world to receive something like this. Uh, We were kind of like, this is who we are. We're Asian American Jews. We exist. We matter. We belong. And here are things that we have struggles, triumphs, successes, and trials with in a more general sense. Other than like, I think really one or two episodes, we didn't dive super specifically into a lot of very nuanced societal patterns in a super analytical way. I I feel like it was a lot of lived experience, lived experience, which is like what I think is necessary to start the conversation because everyone thrives on stories. Everyone loves to hear stories and stories really captivate, compel, and drive people. And I think season two will have plenty of stories, but it is also here are some like relevant topics that pop up in the larger society and community. And this is how we as Asian American Jews think about them. So some episodes address kind of the role of media representation. That's a huge topic of contention in the Asian American community. And to some extent, also Jewish representation has been laced with Ashnormativity and anti-Semitism. So that comes up a little bit. We also talk about what is the role of like heritage language? Like how do you access a language and like feel connected to your culture as a result? And then we also discuss a little bit more juicier, like about religion, like how is each of us relating to religion in a very specific way? And what does that mean for our lives? So I think that season two is a juicier, deeper, more nuanced dive into some commonly brought up societal topics that exist in Jewish and Asian American circles. So to your question, Dan, about what do you, what do I, and what do all, us as leaders of Lunar think that the world or the Jewish world, the community, whoever else needs for Asian American Jews to belong and thrive? The true answer to that question for me is, I'm not sure. And I don't think I'm supposed to be sure, I'm supposed to know, or I'm supposed to guide that journey. Certainly not alone, not even me and Jenny together can encompass all the possibilities there is of holding the Asian American Jewish community. Because Lunar is currently, as far as I am aware, the only project slash organization that exists in the Jewish community that explicitly only serves Asian American Jews, There is a lot of pressure to look to us for leadership and guidance as to what is best for this community? What do you think for this community? And to us, to me personally, it's like, oh, I wanted to make videos. We made the damn videos. From there came this beautiful, gorgeous, vibrant, diverse, excited, and eager community who's Asian American and Jewish and who have all kinds of amazing ideas for what that could mean in terms of projects and creations and programming and events and resources of like, how do we enrich the tapestry that is Asian American Jews and broader that is Jews of color. Me and Jenny took up the mantle of a very small piece of movement leadership. We decided to make some videos and we decided to help steward this community and get it going. But honestly, I really want it to be a group effort. I want it to be different leaders who have different ideas and who want to emerge new things. It's not up to the two of us to decide what's needed or what's wanted for Asian American Jews. It's up to Asian American Jews as a collective to decide. And I'll also say the idea that there needs to be one or two charismatic leaders for community who is the voice of that community. One, that puts a lot of pressure on the leaders themselves. And two, that a that kind of top-down leadership, that's a tent of capitalism right there. We need collective community-driven leadership. And that is what Lunar is all about, community-driven, community-led. The natural and best path for Asian American Jews moving forward, is for Asian-American Jews, as many as possible, to have access to leadership opportunities, funding and support and resources to create things of their own, just like me and Jenny did. We thought about something we wanted to make, want to see for the media, for the community, and we did it. And as many people can do that as they want, and it is not for me and Jenny to decide or envision what that looks
2: like. It is for the whole group.
1: So first off, that was really, really powerful. And on many fronts, that is an important thing for to hear for listeners to hear, so like let's soak that in for a second. I do have a question that is very different, but I want to note that first. So my different question, and I've asked versions of this question many, many times. I am obsessive about names of things. I think a lot about titles of things, and Lunar is a really cool title. And I I hope it's clear. I'm not just saying that to you because you're guests on our show. Like I think there are characteristics of the word uh, of the of the term lunar being used for an organization that are that matter a lot. So I think too often Jewish organizations default to Hebrew or Yiddish terms, which on the Jewish enough front, if you don't know Hebrew or Yiddish, that's automatically going to be kind of scary for you. But why is the name lunar? Like there's some powerful I think messaging happening there i'm curious what the messaging in your voices is
3: i'm a chinese jew i got two lunar solar calendars going on the chinese holiday cycle calendar and the jewish holiday cycle calendar, both of which are based on cycles of the moon so actually this is kind of funny so i know in chinese the lunar calendar is not called the lunar calendar it's called the farm calendar which is funny but i actually came up with this just like struggling to pick a name. We were like, what do we call this? Like, there's so many options. There's like diaspora things. There's like, you know, belonging things. And then I was just like one day sitting on the toilet and there it was, Lunar. I was like, hey, Jenny, how about Lunar? And basically the very literal like evocation av- that it makes is that it's, you know, both Jewish and a lot of like Asian cultures use and rely on the lunar calendar, the lunar solar calendar for holidays and important uh, occasions during the year. So that's literally the baseline was that that was an overlap between our cultural experience, but there's so much more to it that I'm sure Jenny can elaborate on.
2: Yeah. So I am a songwriter. So my brain is constantly thinking in metaphors. So when Jen mentioned lunar, I was like, Ooh, lunar, like the moon, like the phases of the moon. And then I realized that this term lunar had a lot more meaning to me in terms of my identity I see identity as being very fluid, you know, throughout a person's life. It fluctuates a lot. Like when I was a toddler, I definitely felt more Jewish because I was in a Jewish preschool. And then after preschool, I felt very separate from Jewish community. And so then I felt more Asian, not even because of connection to Asian or Chinese American culture, but because that was put on me as people, you know, read me as Asian and treated me accordingly. So then in that period of my life, I felt more Asian or expected to be more Asian. Coming to Lunar has given me a space to really embrace both of them symmetrically. I describe it as being very symmetrical because I'm embracing both in what feels like a very balanced, a very centered way. Um, But yeah, the meaning of the, the name Lunar, identity is very fluid. It fluctuates over time and often the side of you that people see is not all of you. There might be more, mm. you know, the dark side of the moon. There, There's always more beyond just the one face of you that they see. Um, and then also, as you mentioned, we wanted to take care to not use, you know, a Hebrew word and also not anything specific to any one Asian culture. I think that was something we definitely kind of grappled with, not only in naming Lunar, but also thinking of like our logo and our imagery and just in general with the understanding that like Asian-American is already such a broad category and like, yes, we're all like racialized a certain way in the US but it just encompasses such a big part of the world that it feels kind of weird to lump together all of these distinct cultures. Um, So in creating this space for Asian-Americans which acknowledges that we often experience we're, we're often connected by similar experiences of how we're ra- racialized in the U.S., but also that we descend from very deeply rooted, distinct cultures all around the globe. So kind of carrying the responsibilities of representing a wide range of Asian Americans, a wide range of like Asian people, and then a wide range of like Jewish people um, is something that we have thought about at every step of creating Lunar.
0: I'm thinking about some of what you've described today, some of what a lot of the folks in your film talk about, and of course you and they are putting it in terms of Asian American Jews because that's what this project is about, but there are so many other kinds of Jews that I think you could just um a different a different kind of alienated Jew and they'll have a lot of the same senses of alienation And a lot of the same reasons, like for example, Ashkenormativity. That's not something that only makes Asian American Jews feel uh, not included. It's there's so many other people. So I I guess I'm wondering about, and we've been talking about it a lot on this show. This year is the Shemitah year. It's this every seven years where we kind of can have it as like a Shabbat of years where we can reflect on the next seven years and kind of almost like fantasize about a better future. And I'm just wondering, like, when you think about a better future where Asian American Jews are not marginalized, but are in a more central space. Are you thinking about bias for us spaces? Or are you thinking about a reimagined Judaism for, for all Jews? And what would that reimagined Jewish community look like in which Asian American Jews wouldn't be and wouldn't feel marginalized, but would actually be central alongside all kinds of other formerly marginalized Jews?
2: I would say that our our little bias for a space that's actually not as little as we originally anticipated it to be is probably where it starts, at least for us. Um, at, at every stage of the project, Lunar has grown far beyond what we could have imagined for it. So it's almost kind of hard to say. I think something that I really discovered through this project is, you know, being Asian American and being Jewish, both of my communities carry a lot of pain and a lot of trauma and guilt and a lot of really complicated feelings. Something I really learned being in the lunar community is that the experience of being an Asian American Jew is actually not one of just pain and trauma. Of course, it is important to talk about all the challenges and all the difficulties, but actually being an Asian American Jew is joyful. It is fun. It's exciting. It's, you know, complicated, but complicated can be fun. And being able to connect with others At that intersection and really unpack it has shown me that it's like, yes, there's a lot that I carry. There's a lot that I've, you know, a lot of like generational trauma that I've inherited. There's a lot that I have to be aware of when I walk into any space um, and choosing when to reveal my identity or engage with my identity. But like in a space where we are free to be ourselves and free to connect however we want, having this identity is joyful and it's fun. And I would really love for our broader communities to understand that like, yes, the Jewish community, there's there's a lot of work to do, but also it's not all pain.
3: And I have a couple of things to add around like bias for us versus, not versus, bias for us and or the larger community there's a lot in that one question. And I've thought about this a lot, both because of my leadership in Lunar and because of my leadership in the broader Jewish community, being a Jewish communal professional and educator, having worked with Jews of color led programs and being the Jew of color in that position of leading. um, So I've thought a lot about the relationships between multiracial containers of Judaism, as well as specific containers that are relevant to people's individual identity. And also, I want to relate it back to the Jews of Color Initiative Count Me In study that um, you all had covered last episode. Um, On a micro level, it is up to each JOC, each Jew of Color to decide how do I want to participate Jewishly? Do I want to be in multiracial spaces that are likely predominantly white for the foreseeable future and, you know, deal with all the challenges and tribulations that come with that? Or do I just want to joyfully, joyfully exist in Jews of color led spaces and driven spaces? That is like a really individual thing that people work through over time and things like their attitudes and feelings might change. But I do want to point out that the Jews of color initiative study actually found, you know, a plurality of Jews of color have found belonging in spaces with white Jews and feel a deep connection to their Judaism and a deep investment in the Jewish community and so there is a sizable, there is likely a sizable population of us that really want to be in multiracial, and I don't just mean people of color multiracial, I mean including white people, community, in and just like a general Jewish community, there's probably a sizable amount of us that want that. So it is on Jewish institutions to make it so that those environments are hospitable to us and it's not our labor to do for free, especially not our labor to do for free. I also think for any group that dedicates themselves to Jews of color, um, this is my personal opinion, there needs to be some kind of articulation of how your relationship is to the larger community. Just because, like, there are going to be people in your community who like want to participate in larger institutions. What are the access points? What are the pathways? And what are the ways in which you're keeping those things separate, but still giving opportunities for them to come together? I always think of it as an offering and an invitation, and not a requirement. Like, if someone comes to us for an Asian American Jewish space, and that's all they want from us, great. But if we are we know of and See availability of other spaces, such as Jews of Color general spaces or larger multiracial Jewish community that are led by Asian American Jews. We're not going to refuse that or limit access to that because ultimately we're an entire Jewish community and we're all Jewish and we're all here to like be Jewish. So, if let's say you're designing a program or creating a container that exists for Jews of Color within the larger context of a white-led institution, like a larger organization that's like been predominantly white for decades. And there's no articulated vision of how that fits into your larger anti-racist strategy or how the participants in the JOC program are going to interact with, if they are white people in your organization, that's still not an equitable program. That's not a well-thought-out, well-designed program because you're not taking into account that inevitably existing in this community, most of the people that they interact will be white. And like, obviously for individual JOCs, like that relationship is decided for themselves But for the larger thing that you're designing, if there's not like a clear line of like, okay, what is the role of the larger institution in supporting, investing in, and resourcing this, then that creates an equity challenge. So yes, I think there needs to be the affinity space and the trust that's built in the bias for us. But at the same time, we do exist in a larger ecosystem and that larger ecosystem has white Jews and that's unavoidable. You know?
1: So I have a strange closing question. Which relates to the fact that, Jenny, you and I both spend time editing media. (laughs) So, listeners, you get to have a super nerdy question about audio slash video editing. You mentioned really briefly in one of your answers before, Jenny, that like there's a power in being an editor, that there's a difference between like being a voice welcomed into a space, being a voice that is, say, like featured in. A film, and being the one that's actually—I'm going to use the word redacting it. I'm using the word redacting on purpose because the word redact is often used in the context of the Torah, where you talk about like there were these different sources in the Torah, and somebody afterwards sort of put them all together and and chose the order and cut things out and put certain things in. And if you talk to scholars of the Bible, they often assert that that person who's doing that editing work actually has like as much control or more than the people who came up with the original stories. Given that that role of redactor in Jewish history with the Bible sort of hold this big weight. And also by the way, in the Talmud, there's there's the the late person, the Stam that people talk about who is like the, the redactor of the Talmud. What is it to have that role as a steward, as an editor, as a redactor of a piece of Jewish anything? I mean, in this case, it's a beautiful, Asian American, Jewish American film series, but I'm curious. Like Jenny, what can you teach me as somebody who does some of this editing, also, but also anybody out there who's never thought about the the power of that work?
2: It's extremely empowering, like truly. I, you know, I'm a creative person, so I, I do video editing, I, I write songs, I, I do music, I explore lots of different mediums, and specifically dealing with with this corner of my video editing work and dealing with something that's so personal as you know identity identity is so personal and so when i you know took on this role i knew that it came with a lot of power i mean my approach to editing this was i wanted to be overall very transparent i want to make sure that people who are sharing their stories are sharing them and that they are you know edited and packaged in a way that is reflective of what they really mean and how they really want it to be you know shown so i tried to be hands off in like censoring anyone and just really wanting to show the full spectrum of people's experiences um rather than we didn't really have any specific like all right so we like this episode is all about belonging so so we only want to show the responses where people share painful experiences like we we really tried to make space for a full range of experiences and something that i noticed while editing you know, a lot of our cast are are women. And for me as a woman, and especially like as an Asian woman, I constantly notice myself prefacing what I say and just littering my words with qualifiers. It's the kind of thing like, like, um, and like, and then when people say, I feel like, I think, like, maybe I'm wrong, but inserting this phrase at the beginning of your sentence that kind of just weakens or softens the rest of what you say And so a lot of what my role became in editing, in just chopping up people's sentences, it became, is this qualifier actually important to what they're saying, or would it be more meaningful and more of what they really intend to say if I just take it out? And what I noticed is that like 95% of the time, I would take the qualifier out and the sentence would immediately like triple in weight and in meaning and in the emotional impact of listening to it. Occasionally there would be some qualifiers where I'd be like, okay, actually, I think this qualifier does change the meaning of the sentence, so I'm going to keep it in. I think it captures the nuance of what they're saying, but most of the time the sentences made more sense and really were truer to what they were trying to say when I just took the qualifiers out. And I think I've learned a lot about myself in taking on that power of making those choices, being more more assertive and stronger with my words and more confident in myself. And I'm really honored and grateful to have, have taken on the power of choosing how these stories are presented and trying to do that in a very transparent way and with integrity, speaking to the, the lunar values of authenticity. And I, I'm glad that you posed that nerdy question to me because it, it checked all the boxes of speaking to my, the nerdier side of what I do. And also I've definitely thought about this a lot as I've worked on it. Like, what does it mean that I'm the editor of this? What does it mean that I'm taking on everybody's qualifiers? Like, thank you for asking me that.
1: Thank you to both of you for an absolutely wonderful conversation. To everyone out there listening, please always do this, but like go to the show notes for this episode, judaismabotin.com, because we're going to have a whole bunch of links so that you can watch season one, which is already out, and so that you can stay tuned for season two, which is coming out super soon. So thank you both so much for joining us. This has been fantastic.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: And thank you so much to all of you out there for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and we hope that you'll tune in again in the future. First and foremost, I mentioned it pretty recently in this episode, but I'm going to mention it again. Watch Lunar Season 1, which is already out. You can check it out via a link in our show notes on our website, or you can go to Bacola Show's website, where Lunar's videos are housed. And uh, also, really, really importantly, check out Season 2. It's coming out on October 6th, so if you're listening to this before that date, you should stay tuned. And if you're listening after, you can find it online. So definitely go and watch season two. And if there's future seasons, watch those too. One note on the Judaism Unbound front is that our yeshiva our brand new digital center for Jewish learning and Jewish unlearning, is launching our first semester this coming Monday. As we release this episode on October 4th, is when the first class, my first class is going to be in October 5th is Dan's first class. If you are looking to slip in a last-minute sign-up, you can do so at onyashiva.com. That's U-N-Y-E-S-H-I-V-A dot So we always close out our episodes, of course, by saying all the ways that you can be in touch with us, and here they all are. First, there's Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. All of our handles on those different apps is just Judaism Unbound. You can also visit our website, judaismunbound.com, and you can email us at dan at judaismunbound.com or lex at judaismunbound.com. The last request we'd like to make is that we deeply appreciate any amount of financial donation that you're able to send our way, and you can do that on either a monthly recurring basis or just as a one-time gift via judaismunbound.com slash donate. So thank you so much for listening, and with that, this has been Judaism Unbound. $350.